You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV presents Chatting with Kathy. Sit-down interviews with Hollywood's leading actors, artists, and entrepreneurs. And now, your host of Chatting with Kathy, Kathy Kelly. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chatting with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy Kelly. You're watching on AfterBuzzTV.com. And along with being an accomplished actress with many credits to her name, today's guest graduated high school at age 14, mm-hmm. got her bachelor's degree at age 17, and is a huge advocate for anti-bullying. Catherine McNamara, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm so excited to talk to you about everything from Chatter, your new movie, to uh, a new show that you potentially have coming out on MTV, Happy Life, and everything in between. We want to know how you got your start in the industry. So let's start with the very beginning. You grew up in a military family Uh and traveled around a lot. So Mm -hmm. what was that like growing up in in a new school pretty much every year? It was, uh, well, we were only a military family until I was about three. So I didn't have too much of it, but uh, I I got a little little taste of it. And it was was interesting, but you know, I I got used to making friends quickly and growing up, I was always the kid uh, to go up to everybody in every class and say, hi, I'm Catherine, what's your name? Yeah. You know, because you never know who's going to end up being your best friend and you just have to be able to, you know, put yourself out there and, and say hi. Yeah. But, you know, um, how I started in the industry was kind of a, a fluke, actually. I always say I fell into it backwards. Um, I was a ballet dancer and a softball player until I was about 12. And then I ran into a family friend who happened to be directing a community theater production and needed some dancers. So, you know, I was the kid who tried anything. And I said, sure, why not? I'll try theater. It might be fun. And uh, I auditioned, ended up a part of the show, and I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but... I just, I'll never forget my opening night at that show because I remember walking on stage and something hit me like a brick wall. I just, I knew that this is what I had to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough to have been able to do that so far. And your parents have been very supportive of you throughout this whole process. My mom is the most supportive person that you could ever have. I mean, she's the perfect parent to have in this industry because she, you know, she stays out of everything and kind of lets me handle my own career, but she's my rock. She's there to support me. And, you know, if I have a hard decision to make, she'll help me out. But, you know, it's, it's definitely my career, which is nice. Yeah. And we talked a little bit before this interview started. I know you, you spent a lot of your childhood in Kansas City. I did. So what do you miss most about the Midwest? I miss the people. I mean, you know, there, there's nothing like Nothing like the Midwest. Yeah. I, I miss the barbecue. I can't, I'm so ruined for barbecue. I cannot <laughs> eat barbecue, barbecue anywhere else but Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, and I miss the theater community there. I mean, I owe a lot to the Kansas City theater community. They, I feel like they kind of raised me as an artist, if you will, because they, there's so much amazing theater there and so many hugely talented actors and, and producers and creatives and, and everybody involved there is so wonderful. And yeah. I really learned a lot. So going from local theater at age 12 to being on Broadway at age 13, (laughs) that's a huge transition for anyone. I mean, your first role, you were in a Little Night musical, Uh and that was starring Catherine Zeta-Jones and Angela Lansbury. Did it hit you at that time how big a role that was? Not at first. Um, 
I do remember the first night I met those ladies. It was after my first rehearsal before the show, and I was just floored by how kind they were. And, and, you know, meeting these two ladies within five minutes was just a lot for a girl from a small town in Missouri. But, um, and actually that show, seeing that show was my first Broadway show. So the show I was going to be in was was the first Broadway show I ever saw, which was really magical for me. Um, But, you know, getting to know them, they're just some of the sweetest ladies and and most generous and and they really took me under their wing and and taught me so much you know most of my scenes were with Angela actually and Mm -hmm. I would sit in her dressing room for hours during the show and she'd give me advice about life and the business and and everything it was just wonderful Mm -hmm. and did you I mean you transitioned from being in Kansas City to New York how was that it was really crazy. It was a very much a culture shock, especially mm-hmm. right at first. I mean, I wasn't sure, you know, because I loved, I loved the kind of the small town feel of Kansas City, and I didn't know how, if I would like New York, but um, I love it. Yeah. It's my favorite city in the world. I, I hope to move back there someday, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a magical city. You know, there's so many different people, and there's always something going on, and it's truly the city that never sleeps, and I love that. It is a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. So what was the audition process like for that role? <laughs> it was very quick, actually. Really? Yeah, because I came in as an immediate replacement. Um, a month after the show opened, one of the girls playing the role had to leave suddenly. She had some something, and she had to leave. So they needed someone right then because the show, the show must go on. Yeah. And um, they, I had worked with a woman in Kansas City who ended up being in the show in New York. And when she found this out... Uh, she said, well, you have to call this girl in Kansas City because we'd gotten really close in the show that we'd worked on and and she, you know, was trying to help me out and I got this call completely out of the blue and they said, well, there's an audition in two days for a little night music. If you'd like to come out, please do and, and audition. And so I learned the material really quickly, flew out to New York and um, did the audition, the call back in the same day. 40 minutes later, I was at LaGuardia getting ready to fly back to Kansas City, and I get the call saying, congratulations, you booked the job. What? Be back in a week, ready to stay six months or more. Wow. And so I went back to Kansas City, uh, locked the door on my house, and off to New York I went. What was your family's reaction like? They were thrilled. Yeah? They really were. I was so fortunate to have a, a supportive family, and, you know, we packed up what we needed and found a place and off we went. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there's nothing else you can do. You know, I, um, I, I was actually booked in Kansas City for the next year when, when I booked the show. Doing and shows I had there? To, yeah, doing shows there. And so I had to call all the directors and say, sorry, is it okay if I go do this Broadway show? And of course, they said, of course, go, yeah. have a blast. You know, we'll, we'll see you when you get back, which turned out to be much longer than I thought it was, but mm-hmm. you know. You ended Happily up staying so. there about a year. I did. I stayed there a year. The show actually extended. Um, Catherine and Angela had to leave, and we thought we were going to close. But then Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch stepped up and said, "Well, we'll we'll take the show and we'll do it." And it was just amazing. You know, that was a real learning experience for me. Seeing a show flip 180 degrees, it mm-hmm. really taught me how much versatility that any any piece of, of you know art can have. What was the biggest uh, thing that you learned while being on the set of, or I guess not the set, but uh, <laughs> being in the theater? Uh, work ethic was something, I mean, it's something I learned in Kansas City, but, you know, seeing these ladies who, you know, they didn't have to work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're already established in their career. They didn't have to do this show. They didn't have to do eight shows a week, and yet they did. All four of those ladies were there every single show, every, you know, 
they were there all, the whole time, and they were there for every rehearsal and every everything, and they worked as hard as everybody else did. Yeah. And it really taught me that, you know, the people who get the farthest and are the most successful are the people who work hard and are joyful in that work. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I admire about you and your family is that education is so important. Yes. You ended up getting (laughs) your high school diploma at Uh age 14. And I heard this story that in first grade you were actually kicked out because you were too smart. I was kicked out of school in first grade. How did that happen? I um. I had an amazing preschool teacher who really took me under her wing and, and saw something in me and saw I had this capacity to learn. And she kind of, uh, taught me everything. You know, she, she gave me this amazing thirst for knowledge and, mm-hmm. and really encouraged me to learn as much as I could. You know, I was doing multiplication and division and reading chapter books by the time I was six. What? And yeah. <laughs> and so that's why public school didn't really work for me. And, um, Luckily, they realized that early on and, and called my mom in and said, you know, you should probably take her somewhere else. And uh, none of the private schools would take me. And so I ended up doing accredited programs, correspondence and online. But I still went to the public school to be with my friends for art and music and PE and recess, lunch, classes, assemblies, extracurriculars. I did everything social at the school mm-hmm. and just did my academics at home at my own pace, which kind of was the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I mean, you have to be very self-motivated to be able to do that. So (laughs) were there any challenges facing that? Not really for me. I mean, it is it is a lot of work, and mm-hmm. you have to learn to budget your time well. But because I started that so early on, it kind of just became a part of who I was. And even now, I'm working on my master's degree now, and it's, um, you know, I always budget my time. And, you know, there are times where I sleep a little less or have to not go spend time with friends or something, but, you know, it all works out. I think that's so crazy that you're so (laughs) young and you're saying, oh, I'm working on my master's degree. Like, it means nothing, but that's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. I mean, you you went on to get your bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. at age 17. So that's in business administration, right? Yeah, it is. So how did you choose that as your as your focus? Well, I originally wanted to go to college for musical theater. And I started at UMKC in Kansas City for uh, for a couple quarters, working on on my acting degree there. But then I booked the Broadway show and had to move to New York, and um, it didn't really work out. You cannot get a theater degree online, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work out. There's only so much you can do virtually, and so I was I was faced with a choice. I talked to a bunch of the schools in New York, and they would have accepted me, but I would have had to quit a little night music. Oh wow! And I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd moved to New York to do this show, and I I got the advice of a lot of my cast members, and they said, well, you know, you're already doing what you would be going to school to do, so why don't you get a degree in another interest of yours? And I'd always loved economics and business, and uh, that's something my grandfather instilled in me from a very young age, and I... Actually, before I was an actor, I wanted to be the next Alan Greenspan. That okay. was that was my goal in life until I <laughs> became an actor. So, you know, I used to get um, Teen Vogue and The Economist for the two magazines that I would get. And I was equally excited to receive both in the mail. Um, so that was – that's kind of me in – in magazine publications. Not a normal teenager. No, no. So I decided, well, maybe I'll get a degree in business because it's something I can use in my career and in my life and then I'll have something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to balance schoolwork and having a career? Because I was used to it already um, from, you know, high school and everything, not, not too much, but there were times when I was doing, you know, readings and my show and having a heavy course load that... 
I slept about two hours a night for a couple of weeks really? during one quarter, and it was not fun, but I got it done. And yeah. I, you know, that was, I think, one of the only Bs that I got in my undergrad was one of those classes, just because there was such a heavy workload, and I was working so hard. Yeah. And you said you're getting your master's now. What are mm-hmm. what are you focusing on for that? Uh, now I'm getting an MBA at UNC Chapel Hill uh, in investment management. Okay. So that's something I figure I can use to manage whatever I earn. And then also, if I ever decide to direct or produce, I'll be able to allocate the resources of the production more effectively. Wow. <laughs> so you have aspirations behind the camera. Then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my, my first love is in front of the camera and or on the stage or in front of the microphone. It always will be. But... I wouldn't mind getting behind the camera and seeing how that works, too. Okay, cool. And we were also joking earlier that your degree was going to be in anything but science (laughs) because both of your parents are heavily involved in the scientific world. Yes, everyone in my family is in science or or medicine. You know, we have everything from large animal vets to dentists to cardiac care nurses to x-ray crystallographers to emergency Mm -hmm. room nurses in our family. And um, I'm pretty much the only one who strayed from that path. But, you know, my family's been really supportive, and as long as I get an education and as long as I'm doing what I love, they're they're there for me. Yeah, that's so great. It is. I feel very <laughs> fortunate. So why why not science? Was there a choice or? <laughs> I mean, I, I do like science. It's just not my favorite. I like math more. I like economics okay. more. And, and I love acting and, and performing most of all. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the roles that you've played. Yes. Uh, you had several smaller roles on TV, uh-huh. and you also did Gary Marshall's New Year's Eve, I which did. had an all-star cast. There mm-hmm. were so many amazing actors in it. Yeah. You had scenes with Jake T. Austin and Abigail Breslin. Yeah. So what was that experience like? It was a blast, actually. We had the best time. Um, they the, they shot that movie. I was talking to the crew, and it almost felt to them like a series of short films mm-hmm. because every two weeks they were shooting one of the different vignettes. And so the two weeks that I was there um, on set were, were just a blast because it was a bunch of kids and Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. You know, so we, we had a great time. And, um, you know, we'd go out after we'd finished shooting and go see movies in Times Square at 2 in the morning and, you know, then go sleep and come to set at, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon the next day because it was mostly night shoots. And um, most of my scenes were with Jake and Abby, and I love them both dearly. They're such great people, so down to earth, mm-hmm. and and New Yorkers, you know. So it's it's fun. Yeah. we all related of our love of the city and and everything. And Abby and I, even though we're always in different parts of the world shooting or doing whatever, we always stay in touch, and yeah. we'll talk on the phone for a couple hours just to catch up. And and you played her arch nemesis I in did. the movie, but that's obviously not the case in real life. No, it's not. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I felt so bad shooting that scene because they shot Abby's reaction action first and so I had to sit there and watch her because I had to stand there for eyeline Jake and I did yeah so I had to sit there and watch her reaction of the kiss like 10 times from all the different angles and then I had I'm like I don't want to do this anymore guys I feel too bad this is not not cool but you know it it was fine yeah I did it and it was it was fun and you know obviously she forgave me Was that, like, your first experience uh, coming off of that film, you know, going on to red carpets and things like that? It was, actually. Um, yeah, I, after that, you know, I was working with Disney Channel, so I came back to L.A. and started doing red carpets and things, and I 
love them. They're really fun. What I is mean, that like? I feel like it's a whole different world. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, especially the bigger ones for the, the larger movie premieres or larger events. It can be insane because mm-hmm. there's so many photographers and everybody's yelling at you to, you know, look this way, look that way. And you kind of have to appease everyone at you once. You have to smile for 30 minutes straight. It's true. It's true. Sometimes my cheeks will start quivering because <laughs> I'm smiling for so long. But it's fine. It's worth it. I mean, what girl doesn't love getting dressed up oh, and, and walking down a red carpet, you know? But people it's don't fun. realize that it's almost an all-day event. I mean, finding your outfit takes sometimes weeks before, and then the yeah. makeup, the hair, everything else. Yeah, you know, I usually, um, because sometimes I find out about things the last minute or something, I end up doing my hair and makeup myself a lot really? of the time. Yeah, which, you know, I've learned a lot. <laughs> there have been a lot of pictures. I go, mm, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, but it's it's all a learning experience, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. I love playing with makeup. I mean, uh, red carpets are a learning process as well. Indeed. You don't realize, uh, you know, how much... Obviously, we said prep goes into them. Right. But then also, um, I mean, just composing yourself on red carpets can be challenging as well. It's true. It's true. You have to find the right balance of, you know, bringing that energy but not being too much, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Uh So another role that you were in, Girl vs. Monster, that was your first Disney Channel role. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's it like being part of the Disney family now? I love being part of the Disney family. I mean, the Disney family actually brought me out to L.A. I did a pilot for them a long time ago, like Mm -hmm. before New Year's Eve even. And um, they were so supportive. I mean, we all always hang out. We all know each other. We all, you know, support each other in, in all of our successes. And it, it's great. I mean, so many of us are, are not from California. And so many of us have are away from our family. Yeah. And it's nice to have that, you know, family and that support system that knows what you're going through and knows your crazy schedule and, and all of that as well. And they're just... They truly are a family, and yeah. they really do take care of their people, and it's great. And you knew most of the cast of Girl vs. Monster before you got on set, right? I actually did, which was lovely. I mean, Olivia I had worked with on Kickin' It, and Luke I would worked with on Madison High. Um, Brendan I knew through mutual friends, and Karis was, was new, mm-hmm. but I love her now just the same. I mean, they're all such an amazing group, and I love them dearly. And that premiered last uh, Halloween, correct? Yeah, it did. So what was it like being in a scary movie? It was really fun. We had such a blast Mm -hmm. shooting. We shot for three months in Vancouver. That's one of my other favorite cities in the world. And, you know, it was a three-month-long sleepover. Because we all stayed in the same hotel and... It was literally whose whose room are we sleeping in tonight? Because <laughs> it was so much fun. I can't even tell you. On the weekends, we made so many crazy videos of just us lip syncing to whatever songs. I think there's a Call Me Maybe video floating really? around one of our computers, and it's it's hysterical. Are any of them on the internet? They or might no? be. I don't know. Okay. But we uh, we were all delirious and and we had way too much popcorn. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It was a lot of fun. We had yeah. a great time. And the movie was really fun to shoot as well. I mean, it was a great story with some fun music. And, you know, some of my favorite scenes to shoot were the musical scenes because we really got to be a band. Like, the closing scene of the movie is, you know, the band performing Had Me at Hello, which is one of the, the hit songs from the film. And we really felt like a band at that mm-hmm. point. And it was so much fun. And we just we, we just had a great time because they had a crowd there. And it just it, we, it felt like the sense of togetherness. It was so great. Yeah. And um, 
the special effects were fun too. Yeah, I did. I did most of my own stunts for that movie. Really, which was really fun. And you got to try out some new characters too, because yeah. you were the mean girl that transitions into a monster. Exactly. That, yeah. I mean, I usually play the mean girl for Disney, which is fun because <laughs> it's so different from who I am. Yeah. But you know, it's uh. It's interesting, that character, because, you know, she starts out as your stereotypical mean girl, and then she gets possessed, so she transforms into this horrible monster, you know, if you will, and gets this glamorous makeover, which was super fun. And uh, then, you know, then she turns nice in the end, so you get a little bit of redemption, which you don't get a lot as a mean girl. Yeah. And I know you got your start in musical theater, Mm -hmm. and then you've had many roles, which has... I guess, used your singing talent. I have, yeah. So from Madison High to uh, Girl vs. Monster, what's it like, you know, I mean, not just being an actress in these films, but then also being able to contribute to the soundtrack? It's actually wonderful. I mean, especially, you know, more recently, the the last three films I've done, they have all used um, my own original music on the soundtrack or in the film, which is, has been really great now that I'm starting to get my own original stuff out there to be able to combine both of my worlds into one has been really great. Yeah. And uh, one more film that I want to talk about is Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, the remake that you did. Mm -hmm. There have been a plethora of different stories, or they've told the story so many times. And this one stars yourself, obviously, (laughs) uh, Jake T. Austin and Joel Courtney. So you guys filmed in Bulgaria. We did. What was that like? That was your first time traveling out of the country, right? It was. It was my first time out of the the 48 states and, uh, or the 48 Continental United States, yes. But uh, it was incredible. Such a culture shock, uh, but I loved it. You know, it took me 24 hours to kind of get adjusted, and then I had the best time in the in the world. Yeah. I mean, those guys are, are great. Jake, of course, I knew from from uh, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and Joel is now my best friend in the entire world. And we had such a blast traipsing around the mountains of Bulgaria. <laughs> when we were shooting in the caves, we would actually, um, we were so, so not smart. We would just take off in the caves, just wandering. We're like, hey, oh between between scenes while they were swimming, we're like, oh, where does this go? Or where does this go? We wouldn't take a light. We wouldn't take a cell phone. We wouldn't tell anyone where we were going. We just got curious and just went off and explored but you know luckily the locations manager had picked caves that all dead ended so we they we weren't able to get lost mm-hmm. which was really nice so we we had a great time do you know how they chose bulgaria as the place to film well the uh, producer and director were um, german and austrian okay so they were more familiar with obviously that part of the world anyway and it actually had just the right look coming from missouri and going to bulgaria was kind of strange because (laughs) there were the same trees and the same wildflowers and the same birds and everything. It it must be the same latitude or something because it literally looked like Missouri in the 1800s. And so it was absolutely perfect to shoot Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously that's where it takes place. But it it just fit really well and and it was a great location and, and it worked. Did you pick up any of the language? I did, but I've since forgotten most okay. of it. Um, one thing that was really interesting is they used to say merci for thank you. Okay, and that's French? Yeah, it was French, but it, it was kind of a slang term there okay. for thank you. So I like how people here say gracias a lot. Yeah, exactly. I think so. So we uh, took me about three months to quit saying that. Thank you. <laughs> <Merci>. <laughs> when I got back, yeah. 
Um, so after this remake, uh, you went on to do contests. Yes. Which is, it just premiered this past month, yeah. and uh, it tackles the issue of bullying, which yes. I know is an important issue for you as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was bullied a lot growing up. I mean, I was always the different one. You know, I was the kid who only came to school part-time, and the kid who was an actor, and, you know, I was always different. Yeah. And I never minded that, but, you know, when you're different, sometimes you get bullied for it, and that's not okay. And, you know, and when they approached me about this film, the director and producer came to me and said, you know, we have this great story about this kid who's bullied and how he handles it and the people around him and and all of this. And I read the script and just fell in love with the story and the characters. And it was really um, something I felt I had to be a part of because of my past experiences. And, you know, bullying has become the norm in society anymore. And I'm not okay with that. It's just unacceptable. It's this horrible epidemic. And, you know, we end up preparing kids to be bullied instead of focusing that energy on preventing the bullying in the first place. And that film is sort of aimed to change that. You know, it's it's aimed to start the discussion between parents and kids and educators and everyone to just try and make a difference and, and really open up those ways of communication. And you had been involved in anti-bullying efforts even before this film came yes. out. Mm-hmm. So you, what was the name of the charity? Stomp Out uh, Bullying? Stomp Out Bullying, yeah. And how did you get involved with that? I was, you know, looking for causes to support, and bullying has always been, or anti-bullying, rather, has always been very near and dear to my heart. And uh, I, they're a great organization, and they have so many amazing resources for kids. And um, I was thrilled to be a part of it. And they have this amazing campaign they do every October. Uh, The first Monday in October is always Blue Shirt Day. So they encourage everyone all over the world to wear a blue shirt on Blue Shirt Day in in solidarity against bullying. And I cannot tell you the number of tweets and messages I've gotten from kids all over the world who said, I'm wearing my blue shirt today, or I saw someone wearing a blue shirt today. And, you know, for all of us working with Stump Up Bullying, it's it's our goal that, you know, if a kid's out there being bullied or having a hard time, they can look at one of those people in a blue shirt and just know that, you know, they're not alone. And there are people out there who will love them and support them and accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that you're a role model for other kids that might be going through this right now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I I went through everything from, you know, the mean comments to having my face smashed in a water fountain because somebody didn't like me. And, um... It's, it's horrible, and it's something that no kid should have to go through. So anything I can do to help stop that is is worth it to me. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome everything that you, you went through? I, uh, I was given really good advice when I was younger to always tell someone if you're being bullied, and that's actually the most important thing that you should do. Mm-hmm. You know, if any kid out there is being bullied, first you should know that it's not your fault. You know, you are you, and that's amazing, and... Nobody can be you but you. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has something special they can offer to the world. And in being yourself, you can help share that and help make the world a better place in your own way. And, um, you know, if anybody tries to bring you down for that, that's not who you should listen to. Mm-hmm. So if you are being bullied, it's important to tell someone. You know, because bullying situations can escalate from something that seems like not a big deal to something that can be actually a physically dangerous situation yeah. in no time flat. So it's important that someone, especially a trusted adult, knows. So tell your parents, tell your friends' parents, tell teachers, educators, a religious leader, someone, principal, faculty, someone you know and someone you trust who's at least aware of the situation so they can step in when they need to. Yeah. I heard your mom um, 
said a quote to you when you were very young. It was, being yes. popular isn't always right, and being right isn't always popular. Is that Yeah, it, the, the quote is, um, what is right is not always, or what is popular is not always right, what is right is not always popular. And I love quotes. I, I find, you know, the words of wisdom of others are, are very inspiring. And, you know, you can learn a lot from the experiences of, of those who've come before us. And those, it's actually a quote by an unknown author. Nobody knows who said it. But it, she hung it on my wall when I was about eight. And I didn't really understand it yet, but as I, you know, got into middle school and, and even to now, I, it's really applied a lot to my life mm-hmm. and it's, it's helped steer me in the right direction so many times. And, um, I can never thank her enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love that quote yeah. from when I saw it, but it's. Words to live by. Exactly. So getting back to contests for mm-hmm. a second, uh, it just premiered in October. It did. Um, and you also have a song in that as well. I do, yeah. We, uh, on set of that film, there were a lot of us who sang. So we were always singing on and off set. You know, people would bring their guitars or we'd sit around a campfire or one kid was a violin prodigy. So we'd have this little band going. It was really <laughs> fun. It was really great. But we, uh, the producers saw that and and found that it could probably be another asset for the film and another way that we could advocate against bullying. So they asked a few of us to write and and perform our own songs for the film. And they told me they wanted me to write a mid-tempo ballad that was to be the um, sort of anti-bullying anthem for the film and for, you know, this Octo- this past October. And I, I feel like I accomplished that with Chatter. It's It kind of came out of that inspiration and, and thinking about my character's point of view. You know, my, I play Sarah in the film, and she is the the new girl in town. So she's kind of figuring out the politics of the town and how it works, but because she has more of an objective point of view, she can see through a lot of the, um, the bullying that's going on there and a lot of the games that some of the characters play. So she's, uh, she's the bystander of the bullying situations that happen, and... She tries as much as she can to, to tell the people who are being bullied in the film not to listen to the bullies and to really try and see what's going on. And that's sort of the message of chatter. You know, so much of bullying is just white noise. It's just mm-hmm. chatter. It's just words. It's Sometimes not, it's people's insecurities. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's not what you need to listen to. You know, you need to listen to those people that are there to build you up instead of those people that are trying to tear you down. Mm-hmm. So the movie, it, it features um, the high school jock. He's yes. kind of the one that's doing the bullying, and yeah. then uh, you befriend the the kid that's getting bullied. Yeah, basically it follows the story of, of two students, the bully and his victim, who end up being forced to work together on a television cooking contest for teens. And they end up forming this unlikely friendship. But because of the pressures of the contest and other politics, their friendship is put to the test. And um, my character has some serious doubts as to whether the bully has truly changed his ways. So I, I try to warn um, Tommy, the, the kid who's being bullied, to be careful. Whether or not he listens to me and whether or not my assumptions are correct is another story. It's something people are just going to have to watch the film. And I'm sure many of your fans have seen the film yes. already since it already premiered. But if they haven't, where can they see it? Uh, they can see it. Uh, I believe it may be airing on Cartoon Network again a couple okay. times. But uh, they can find it. Actually, it's coming out on DVD around Christmas. So be sure to look for that then. Okay. Uh, so I know you're a very busy girl with all of your acting roles. Yes. What do you do when you do get free time? When I get free time, I love to spend time with friends and family. I mean, friends and family are number one for me. You know, they, they're they the ones that support me and they're the ones that I support. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it really means a lot to me to spend time with them and just decompress and relax and, you know, go see movies or go shopping or just hang out and, and do nothing, you know. But, you know, in, in my other spare time, I I bake. I read I books. Like baking, I love yeah. baking. My grandmother taught me how to bake with my great-grandmother's recipes. What's your favorite so, recipe? Um, I love to make my great-grandmother's uh, chocolate fudge cake. We call it death by chocolate cake in our that family because it's so rich. It's literally this really dense chocolate cake with a chocolate fudge icing. I've literally just made the icing by itself sometimes oh and gosh. called it fudge because that's basically what it is. I might need to steal that recipe. <laughs> I I might be able to share it. I have to ask my grandma. Okay. But I might be able to share it. No, it's uh, it's really fun. And yeah. I, it's it's so relaxing for me. And I love doing something for, for other people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm always baking and passing it off yeah. to somebody else, just bringing random cookies to things. But it's it's really fun. I love to bake. I love to knit. I could I could spend all day at the library. How'd you learn how to knit? I There's an interesting story behind there that. There is an interesting story. I It was actually during a little night music. And we had a few breaks in the show that were really long, so we were trying to find things to do. And we'd done just about everything. This was about eight months into the show. And we'd we'd uh, ended up coloring for the most part. <laughs> and because I was done with school and I was waiting for college to start and I was coloring and, and some of the members of the orchestra came up to me and said, you can find something better to do than color. Let's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with coloring. I love coloring, but there's only so much a person can color mm-hmm. every single day. So they taught me how to knit. And I can't tell you, I probably made so many scarves. I gave scarves to almost everyone for Christmas that year. Because I just sat backstage and knitted my scarves. Yeah. And it's fun. It's so relaxing. And, you know, it's something I can do for someone else. Only scarves or have you done anything else? I haven't had much time to learn much else, but I I can knit a scarf. Okay. (laughs) My mom knits everywhere. Like, she will literally, if I'm driving, she'll knit in the passenger seat. She's crazy. That's so so fun. But. Yeah, knitting is I I love it too. So. It's fun. It's really great. <laughs> I like it a lot. And it's it's productive. Yeah, it is. It is my other uh my other thing I love to do. I love to dance. It's mm-hmm. I mean, it's how I started. You know, yeah. I've been doing ballet since I was 2 and uh dance is my happy place. Yeah, you know, I can just escape into the music and just, you know, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's very freeing and relaxing and even though it's very strenuous physical activity sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's my love. So before acting, you were very involved in dance. Mm-hmm. You were also involved with softball and yeah. Girl Scouts. Yep. So were those things kind of dropped once you were focusing more on your career? I mean, I'm still a Girl Scout today, and I do a lot with Girl Scouts. I don't have a troop anymore, but um, I've kind of become an ambassador for them. It's such a positive influence for girls, and truly everything I learned there and the girls I met and, and became friends with really made me the person I am today. And... Uh, and I, and I love what they teach girls, and I love how positive and, and supportive of an influence they are of whatever girls' interests are. Girl Scouts can help to support them and, and foster that interest. And um, it's I, I just wish more people knew about it and, mm-hmm. you know, more people were involved in it. But uh, It's more than just a cookie. It is. It's a lot more than just a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Although cookies are one of the most important parts yes. of Girl Scouts, I must say. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, softball was another thing I loved. Mm-hmm. I was a softball pitcher. I almost went uh, to competition teams multiple times before I started theater. I I loved it. I don't. I just loved you know going out and getting on the mound and pitching a game, and it was it was fun for me. I loved it. But you know, softball schedule and theater schedule don't necessarily yeah. coincide. 
so I had to choose, mm-hmm. but I'm really happy with my choice. Yeah. And I'll still get out and throw the ball around. <laughs> so moving forward, what do you hope to accomplish in both your career and your life? I just hope to be able to continue doing what I love for a living. I, I love my job, and it's not even work for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's my passion and my love, and, and it's something I hope to always be able to do. You know, seeing people like Angela Lansbury and Elaine Stritch who are, you know, so accomplished and have had such long careers and such successful careers. I, I hope to follow in their footsteps. And I hope to, you know, continue to do everything, do more film, more television, get my music out there more, and and just see where it goes. Yeah. Is there anyone's career you hope to emulate? Uh, Amy Adams is one of my all-time favorites. She, you know, she sings, she acts, she does it all, and she never gets put in a box. You know, she can do the the rom-coms, she can do the fun family films like Enchanted, and then she can go and do a film like Doubt or The Master or, you know, any of the new films she has coming out, and she's brilliant in every genre. Mm -hmm. And I just, I hope to be able to reach that level one day. So any roles that you haven't had that you hope to one day do? I I really would like to do another another film like New Year's Eve. You know, some major motion picture with uh I'd love to do a drama though. I've I've I love intense dramas and and you know something that's really emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. You get drained so much on set when you're doing that, but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's it such pays a learning, off when it you pays off. The final product. And it's such a learning experience. You learn a lot about yourself and about your craft, and, and you grow a lot as a performer, and that's an experience I hope to have soon. Yeah. So I know this question can sometimes be like choosing between children, but do you oh have dear. a favorite role that you've played thus far? Uh, <laughs> um, yes. I knew you'd hate yes, you for that. <laughs> it is. No, I don't hate you for that. It's just, yes, it is choosing between children. I mean, each role provides such an experience and such a learning experience. And, and you know, you, you craft these, you create these little, these people. Mm-hmm. And you become these people. And, and, you know, they have their own life and their own experiences. And, and they bring out a different part of yourself, you know? And so, goodness me, let me think. <laughs> um, my role in Girl vs. Monster was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love my role in, in the CBS pilot I did, Surgeon General. I played Jason Isaac's daughter. That was that was a blast. Uh, my role in A Little Night Music will always be near and dear to my heart because I played it for so long and uh, with such amazing people. Goodness. Um my role in in the new MTV show Happy Land is really fun too. Yeah. She's uh she's really fun and flamboyant and kind of she's an interesting complicated person and those are my favorite people to play. You know, broken people or complicated people or people with a, a side that you wouldn't expect are the the most enjoyable for an actor mm-hmm. to play cuz it gives you something to do and something to play with even if it doesn't show, it just is playing in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. And that it's great. It's my favorite. So let's talk about Happy Land for yeah. a second. You are still in pre-production right now. Yes. But what can you tell? I know you can't tell us too much. I can't but what tell can you, you tell much. us about the project? What I can say is that it follows the story of these people who live and work at a theme park. And, you know, everything seems fine on the surface in front of the white picket fence. But then you go behind the picket fence and it's insanity. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's a dramedy with a really kind of soapy plot, which is, it's fun. But the comedy is really smart, but the the plot is crazy and twisted and, and fun. Okay. So I can't wait for everybody to see it. When can people expect to see that? Not sure yet. Okay. We don't go into production until next year, so we'll see when it comes, but... 
Well, I'm be, very excited for that. It's a funky show. I'm excited to see what people think of it. And MTV has been doing great things with their scripted series. They have. Awkward is one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. of all time. So to kind of follow in those footsteps is, <laughs> is a real honor for me. But it's it's going to be a fun show. And there's some amazing people. You know, Shane Harper, Bianca Santos, Ryan Rotman, Cameron Moulin. We've got some great people involved. And, uh, and Ben Epstein, the creator of our show, is amazing and hysterical and we all love him dearly and and uh lee krieger our director was a blast as well he's such a smart director and such an interesting director and really we learned we all learned a great deal working with him Mm -hmm. last question okay um what advice do you have for young children who may want to follow in your footsteps my advice to people who want to get into this industry is um be yourself and follow your dreams and never let anyone get you down. It's not an easy industry to be a part of, but if it's truly your passion and it's truly what you love, then it won't feel like work and mm-hmm. nothing will get you down. Yeah. You know, if you're if if you know in your heart that you're meant to do this, don't let anyone stop you. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for thank coming in. Thank you so much. This is our shameless plug section, so okay. if you want to, I mean, plug uh you know, contests, yeah, your Twitter, anything else. Yeah, definitely be sure to check out Contest when it comes out on DVD. And check out Chatter. It's available on iTunes. The music video is on Vivo and also available on iTunes. So check that out. And stay tuned for more music and, and more movies and everything soon. And where can they find you on Twitter? And uh, Twitter media? is cat underscore McNamara. Instagram is kitcatsmeow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm on Husay as well. So that links them all. Husay.com backslash Catherine McNamara. Okay. Well, you can find us on iTunes. Just type in AfterBuzz TV. You can find all of our Chatting with Kathy episodes. You can find AfterBuzz on Twitter at AfterBuzz TV. You can find me on Twitter at Katherine Kelly. And Katherine, thank you so much thank again so much. for joining us We've today. we so here today. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I planned that. You got the memo. So <laughs> It's all good. Um, but yes, definitely come back whenever you have a new project. I would love that. Home. I would love that. Thank you so much. Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 